0: Thompson, and you're listening to Space for Life, a podcast with honest conversations designed to help cultivate the space we need for a more fulfilling and abundant life. Despite our culture being wired for excess and overload, our souls desperately need the opposite. Thanks for joining us today as we seek to take one more step into a spacious life. Hey, everybody. It's uh, great to be back with you in this new year. We're actually recording this just before the new year of 2021, but this will uh, post and and go out to uh, the massive masses um, in 2021. So I'm so excited about today's uh, podcast and conversation. Uh, I have as a guest today, Joanna Stamps, and Joanna and I have known each other for a couple of years now, and it's one of these fun um, paths that happen as, as I've been getting into writing and coaching, and she's a writer and coach. And of course, then just over time, our paths crossed with a lot of similar connections. So we've just had a fun time getting to know one another. And so I'm so excited to have her as guest today. She's a writer, author, and coach. She's a featured contributor on Catholic Mom and her view from home. She helps mothers find their purpose, regain their passions, and be more present for those they love. And if you get to know Joanna, you'll, you'll see that's just so much who she is. So Joanna is mom to baby Julian was already practicing to perform Beethoven's piano concerto number five in two thousand and thirty. Yeah that piqued my interest. So uh we'll have to have her explain that piece of it. So anyway I'm so excited to have Joanna with me today and uh and to just have some conversation about you know her amazing life.
1: Cool. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Yeah well I gotta kind of, We need to get the Beethoven.
1: Okay, okay, okay. We'll get the Beethoven out of that. You know where that come from? I think for some reason, when the when Julian, um, his full name is Julian Martin, um, but when he was born, he had this. He just went straight for pianos and just started to to play on them, and so we've just been we've been cultivating that. I mean, as you know, when you're looking at somebody and an adult or as a child, and saying let's cultivate their uniqueness. That was what it was for him, was just this love, absolute love for music. Um, and so I just kind of went through a bunch of the piano concertos um, as he was being cultivated, and he just really took on to, to the number five. So, wow. And what's very cool about it, and I've talked, this will probably end up on the editing room floor, but what's very cool about it is that a lot of it is actually quite simple. like It has simple parts to it. And so I've been speaking with some um, piano um, like teachers, basically, and saying, is there a way that we could actually start with the really easy stuff and then get a little bit harder as he's getting older? And then by the time he's 10 or 12, he could actually play the whole thing.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So. Well, I figured... Well, <laughs> When you, when you shared that kind of in a bio, I figured there has to be a story behind that. So, so that's
1: the story. Okay. He just loves sitting great. and playing piano. That's the first thing that he does when he wakes up in the morning is after he gives me a squeeze, he runs to okay. to play his piano in the morning. Well, I'm
0: looking forward to hearing him play that concerto in <laughs> 2030. Yeah, so that's 2030, great. Sounds that's good. Great. <laughs> well, you know, you have such a uh, unique, amazing story. Of course, we all do. But I'd love for you to just share uh, with with everybody who's listening in uh, a little bit about your story that's kind of brought you to this point in life.
1: Yeah, and I think so much of it goes back to um, just having two incredible parents. I think I'm I'm feeling more and more of that these days, and both of them being in ministry for our entire life. And my mom was actually—she traveled with Corey Ten Boom for 10 years. And so I think there was always kind of a— desire to understand how I was gonna serve the world from a really young age and a frustration with not knowing.
0: Wow. Well I I can say, you know, a lot of people say their parents are amazing. Yeah. But I know (laughs) Joanna's parents. (laughs) Knew them well before I ever met Joanna. Yeah. And they are amazing, amazing people. So no exaggeration with that.
1: No exaggeration. They are like world renowned, amazing people. And so I think I from a very young age, knew that I needed to forge my own way in the world. I think my mom told me, and I think Corey told her when she was um, a younger woman, that uh, God doesn't have grandchildren. So I knew that I needed to go on my own path and to create my own relationship with God. And I knew that there was something that was tied to my relationship with God with understanding what my purpose was.
0: Wow! I am going to steal that. That's that's a <laughs> that's a mind-boggling thought. God doesn't have grandchildren. That's yeah, just he has uh, children. and I know so many amazing parents who, you know, unintentionally their kids feel this this weight to become them, and yet you're talking about that your mom and dad freed you of that. You you didn't feel that. That's really uh, that's that's incredible.
1: And my dad even, there's a story that he doesn't remember, so it must be a Holy Spirit thing, that he actually took me aside one time and said, "Um, I need you to stop going to church and start to forge your own way. And I need you to practice every other religion or at least understand every other religion. And I have enough faith in Christianity that you'll come back to it. Wow. Yeah. He doesn't remember saying that. He said, I would never say something like that. And I said, you know, okay, then that gives me a lot of perspective. Um, And and I set off and, you know, learned how to do incredible, you know, types of meditation. Um, And eventually, and, you know, studied Judaism and Islam and, you know, never like went full throttle into anything, but... um, but well, except for I think a little bit of Buddhism early on, but came back fairly quickly to a Christian faith with a renewed sense of understanding.
0: Yeah. Well, so. I wasn't kidding when I said you have a unique story. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. <laughs> Good. So yeah. tell tell us more. Kind of what weird things go from there.
1: Yeah, and I think from there it was um, learning how to listen. Uh, to God's voice in my life, and it, I think it was extremely small at the very beginning. So it led me to um, to New York um, in my. Well, I did a little bit of lobbying in D.C. for a year and a half, and then I realized that politics is theater, and I don't need to be a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was not a theater major, so, you know, I, I couldn't get into that. That's about so, as nice a
0: thing as you can say about politics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a really good thing to realize from a young age, because I was like, okay, I know, where to, I know where to place this in my life now. Um, and so then it was just, it was going to New York and just, you know, doing what 20-year-olds do in New York, you know. Trying every single thing, knocking on doors, getting on junior boards for nonprofits, and um, you know, meeting people, and you know, being able to go and sit at a bar on a Saturday afternoon with a newspaper and talk to every other person at the counter with you, and you know, strike up friendships and friendships that I still have to this day. Wow. You know, it's just like those sorts of things, and I think part of that again, I guess my parents are the theme, but my dad had said every person that you meet is their own universe so just understand that going into a conversation with somebody that you are embarking on their universe and you're exploring their universe and so that was helpful just in terms of I mean that was even a prerequisite for coaching because everybody has their own structure of interpretation so knowing that when I was talking to people made me curious and I think that's helpful when you're starting a conversation
0: Right. And I I think of just how you've led this off and, and what you've written about your purpose. And what strikes me is that you're immediately talking about your parents. And your purpose is to help mothers find their purpose. And so fundamental, it sounds like to your story, is this extraordinary trust your parents had in you and in you finding their way. And I know for myself as a parent, Mm. that's, that's a scary thing to trust your child to be out in the world. You know, it just feels like such a dangerous place and being a parent is such a fearful Mm. place. Mm. And yet your parents gave you that freedom, which I'm sure has got to impact how you lead and help and coach mothers.
1: Yeah. I think looking back, they think that New York would have been the end of the adventure. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember my dad at one point saying, or you least know, <laughs> <laughs> I think they got to a point and they're like, okay, I'm just, whatever happens to you, you've already lived such a great life. Like, you know, I, I'm not going to, I had to kind of like squash the the worry for you. That's kind of the way that they would, they would put it when I was younger And then I got to the point where I had completely burnt myself out in New York. Um, I'd been doing corporate social relations for the largest children's company, uh, children's uh, publishing company in the world, Um, and just learning and just having incredible adventures and figuring out what it was that uh, made me tick and what really made me excited in in business. Um, And I knew that there was something kind of unique about me at that point because the CEO, he was, I don't know, we had like a really, we had some really special times, you know, like connecting. And I was like, oh, this is kind of weird, you know, like <laughs> I'm just nobody basically in the company, but for some reason we have really nice conversations. And so, so that was one of those little like, you know, road marks along the way. And um, I think part of that just had to do with the truly listening to people's conversations and their legacies. Right. Um, and so, at some point, I got on a plane. In I guess it was t- February 2010, and I knew that I was going to go and spend a month in South Africa and just enjoy myself um, and come back refreshed. And my friends threw me a just-in-case party because they did—they knew more than I did that I wasn't going to come back.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness!
1: <laughs> and so I got down there, then called my parents after two weeks and said, you know, by the way, I think I think I'm going to I'm going to stay. Um, And that was a whole adventure unto its own because I just said to God, you know, if you want me to be here, there's five things that I need and you have two weeks to make it happen. So, and if it happens and I'm not getting on my plane. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. (laughs) So, and that's what happened. I just got there and found friends, a home, a job, like everything just started falling into place. And it wasn't easy, but I find when you talk to people that have moved to places around the world... Either that place embraces them or it spits them out. Hmm. And I think place has a lot to do with purpose. Um, and it's something that I have to, I think, spend some time thinking about because that was, it's so, so much a part of my story is what I gleaned from the places where I was. Um, and South Africa was a really amazing place to learn that. I think part of it is just having a little bit of separation between you and what historically has gone in a place. So yes. there's so much history there, and I could only understand it from the periphery. I would never truly understand the depths of it. Um, but it was it just from a beauty perspective, Cape Town is the place that real helped me to realize that beauty needs to be a part of my life, and beauty wow. leads me to that place of, of space and being able to live into the person that God created me to be.
0: Well, that's, you know, so great. And we'll talk more about this, but, you know, you know, from our conversations, how much uh, space and creating space mm-hmm. is kind of a, a key theme in my life, as well as purpose. Yeah. And so I think of, you know, just what you've said of place and purpose and space and and how you've come from a completely different experience and world and places to kind of that commonality.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And that's, I think, knowing that, uh, well, I think the adventures that we go on help us to understand what our values are. And so that was kind of a reckoning for me because I wasn't comfortable with what my own values were. Hmm. I felt like they should be something different. And it took me um, some really hard struggles to get to the point where I, I started to embrace them um, as a part of myself. Um, and a lot of that was just trying to live my life for somebody else. And you know, going back to the the CEO in South Africa or the CEO in New York, there were a lot of other people that came into my life that... Um, had had incredible businesses and still had incredible businesses. Um, And a lot of, a big part of me really just wanted to be a part of their journey. And so I would listen and figure out, okay, what is it that I can bring into their story and help them to become, in my mind, the person that God created them to be um, or created their business to be, Um, which also could be a whole debate unto its own, but... You know, that was really, that was a huge part of, that's the nutshell of my South African story is being there for other people and thinking that my role in this world was helping other people to live out their dreams.
0: And how would you frame that now? Um,
1: I would say that it's more of a hands-off process. That instead of me being the one that's facilitating their dreams, it's, the coaching methodology of being there to unlock what those dreams are and allowing them to live those dreams for themselves
0: well yours is such a unique journey and part of that is seeing that as the impetus and the freedom to allow other people to have a unique journey yes yes without them being your answers and and looking like yours mm-hmm like you perhaps tried to do. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I did, um, I think one of my favorite projects as a as a younger person was really working with, there was one South African CEO, Ian Fur, who's just incredible and had created his business to be transformational in South Africa to really, you know, try to push the tide in the opposite direction. And so we ended up writing a book about his culture um, and just... How that business flourished, um, and during that time, I met my husband in um, while I was in South Africa, and then started, you know, merging my life into this whole West African <laughs> life. Wow! And you know, which is a completely different scenario. I mean, you see the people like spraying money, and it's really that. <laughs> all the time, you know, like, that it's just like this really over the top, really incredible, um, just an incredible environment and so much energy. Um, But it was not mine. It wasn't mine. It was like, and so much of South African culture really felt like a really amazing fit for me. Um, But I was there on and off for two years and then there full time for five months and I went straight back to the burnt out girl that I was in New York.
0: Huh. Why? Why do you think
1: Um I think it was it was the it was finally hitting the wall of trying to help other people create their dreams.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean that that's in a sense can be a bottomless pit.
1: Yeah. Completely. Yeah. So it, it's not even people pleaser, it's like putting on a completely different persona in order to fit in, to grow, and, and so that was, that was what it was, but it was, it was the end of the line for me. And then when I became pregnant, I realized now is my time. And I wrote about that recently, that um, we as mothers, we don't really have the option to put our, our dreams on the shelf anymore or we have to be able to embody that for our children. And if we don't, then our children are going to be just as lost as we were.
0: Which that's the opposite of the way it seems like to me a lot of people think of motherhood or parenthood. Yeah. They think of that as the very time you put all of your dreams on, the on hold so that you know, you you just basically take a a big 20 year pause. Yeah. And that's so hard for so many people. So you actually went the exact opposite direction.
1: Mm-hmm. That I knew that I needed to be um, comfortable in who I was to create a peaceful environment for my child. I knew how much inner turmoil I had at that point, and I couldn't pass that along to my child. I needed to live into my purpose in order for my child to be set free.
0: Wow so what where did that take you then?
1: Um, it helped me to look really I mean, if we're going to talk space and time, it helped me first to look at how we arranged our life, where we were, that I needed to be in a place where we were safe, that I didn't need to travel around all the time with mobile police <laughs> and, yeah. and that we could be um that we could be comfortable that my time would be that the time that I had while the baby was sleeping um, could be utilized just for one thing, and I needed to stop looking for all of the different shiny objects and just focus on that one thing. Yeah, And that was incredibly important when it came to, to purpose, because if I didn't have that, then I would just continue to look for other people's purposes
0: and right. helping other people. So was that then part of your decision, and I don't even know exactly the date of when you moved back yeah. to the States mm-hmm. and to Richmond, mm-hmm. was that kind of part of all of that exactly. decision process? Exactly,
1: yeah. That it was, I couldn't imagine trying to raise a child while being a leader in a business and being in traffic for five hours a day. Like, none of that yeah. actually fit together. Right. And so it was, okay, let's let's figure this out on the other side of the Atlantic. And we made the difficult decision, and that's what we've done.
0: Yeah, Wow.
1: So, and it's given my my parents who I've talked so glowingly about. It's their only grandchild, so I think that's the whole other side too that they get to oh. live into this time of their life and and really start to see what the possibilities are for this young child. I mean, as we sit here today, he's only seventeen months old, and he is just incredible. And they get to be a part of that.
0: That's that's amazing. I'm so happy mm-hmm. for them yeah. with that. Yeah. So. Well, you know, so one of the themes that uh, that I talk a lot about and write about and, mm-hmm. and and you do too is this idea of creating space. So what I kind of hear is two things kind of going on and you know, ever since I've known you, you have such a calm persona about mm-hmm. you. And yet as you tell this story, you talk about these shiny objects and your burnt-out stages—it's almost like two different things: this external persona going on, yet this internal uh, struggle going on at the same time. Yeah, is that is that kind of yeah? And I accurate?
1: think at different stages, I think people would have had said that I have like a, a sense of peace about me, but I think now it's that uh, the external and the internal have really come together. That there's a unity of life, that it's a an understanding of who God has created me to be, my relationship with God, my relationship with the people around me, and then letting my relationship with God really define every aspect of my day.
0: Well, and isn't that what so many people hunger for so deeply is that sense that the internal and the external match, mm-hmm. that we don't have... To that, we're not divided people and divided minds and divided emotions and everything. So, you know, it sounds like a long and even in a lot of ways a hard journey, but that it's, I'm sure, not come together, but coming together.
1: Yeah. And it will for the rest of my life. And so much of it is just, um, Really figuring out how I can infuse more like holiness, I think, into my life. That at any aspect or every part of the day, that there can be, um, even if it's beautiful music or like um, on our walks in the morning, like having our prayers. Like Saturday is our day to pray through our entire prayer list, and I say ours because it's just as much Julian's as it is mine.
0: I'd love to blog that you wrote recently where you talked about your prayer walks yeah. and that your prayer walks with julian in your 17 month i'm old 17 and mentally. that you do that i just think it's that's it's a beautiful mm. it's a beautiful picture and i think that uh the creativity with which you walk with god yeah and that you walk in your journey is just something that uh I think we all just need to embrace mm. so much instead of feeling like our lives are about fitting into someone else's mold. Mm. So. Yeah,
1: like just being able to get up in the morning and just put our, we still have, most of the time, we just have our pajamas on and we have like layers on top of that during the wintertime. And we just get outside as quickly as possible. Yeah. Because if we get into just like the, the rhythms of yeah. being in the house and, you know, checking your phone and doing all those things, then something gets thrown off course very quickly. Um, but if we can get outside and we can just get under the sun or under the trees um, and just get into our plan for the day, which involves um, doing quite a bit of prayer in the morning and listening to others, other people's wisdom um, and just enjoying that. And it's funny. I mean, now the little boy hears, if he hears even Scripture being read over the you know in the internet down the hall he comes running because he knows what it is he knows oh, that it's a amazing. different yeah. voice than than if it was just you know a normal podcast
0: well and what I love hearing your story just in more detail than I've ever heard it before is here you struggled for so long with your life being defined by just trying to help everybody around yeah. you and yet how you describe your life now has a centeredness and a self-care about it and yet i know in so many ways you're probably helping more people than you ever have that that you're that you do have a, a deep mission to help people and to help mothers so it isn't like you've just decided well that helping others is is just a trap and I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. It's I'm going to take care of myself and out of that integrated person, out of that solid person, Mm -hmm. that's how I can help others. That's the only way to help others. Yeah.
1: Otherwise, I think that there are reasons for helping others is probably
0: something that's not kosher. Well, and and in in the Christian community, often— this concept of taking care of ourselves of mm-hmm. self care of self love if you want to use that yeah, is selfish. often talked thought about so badly like well no no we're supposed to sacrifice we're supposed to be selfless mm. you know and yeah there's an underlying truth to that but i think we've distorted that so badly in terms of you know god wants a relationship with us an intimate relationship with us.
1: Yeah. And he wants
0: us to have intimate relationships with other people and if we're not taking care of ourselves how is that ever going to happen?
1: Yeah, but I think the interesting thing in I think my perspective on self-care is that it's not, you know, sitting and watching series to relax my mind at the end of the day. It's that the first thing that we do is actually go to God and say we're your hands and your feet in this world. So use us in the way that you want to use us. And so it's that relationship first. But that ends up being the better version of self care.
0: Right. But it's it's doing that without the corresponding drivenness. Exactly. That is so prevalent. You know, that if we're gonna be God's hands and feet then we better you know, get on that bike and start pedaling faster and harder yeah. because that's yeah. what it means. That's not what you're saying at all.
1: Mm-mm. No, I think I wrote recently about it. I said, I asked for God to give me a door, and he gave me a reading nook by the window. <laughs> mm-hmm. That instead of me going out and knocking on all sorts of doors, I'm sitting by the window, I'm reading my book, I'm comfortable, I'm relaxed, and I can see when people are coming to my door
0: yeah well and uh you know i have such a passion and and become uh such uh advocate of morning time mm. and this morning mm. routine and and i know just from how you're describing it that my morning routine looks utterly different mm-hmm. from yours mm-hmm. but it's it's the center it's the center of what makes everything else happen it's the it's that that hinge from sleeping the night before to being those hands and feet and if that isn't what it's meant to be then everything else is diluted exactly and 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 though you do it very differently it sounds like that's absolutely the case with you too
1: and sometimes don't sleep because i have a 17 month old oh. baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. <You know>? Details. <laughs> yeah, sleep. Well,
1: I don't know. That's holy spirit as well i think sometimes. Yeah. yeah, that you just have a little an extra coffee and put a smile on your face and god does the rest.
0: Yeah. Well, there's so much we'll have to have you back, you know, to talk more yeah. about um you know, maybe in another episode about this purpose and how you've moved into a specific uh, space, mm. but uh, mm. there's just so much for us to think about. And uh, I love the thought that you exude by who you are, that God, God means for us to have peace mm. in our lives. Mm-hmm. Not to have it easy, uh, but to have a, a deep peace, a peace that's bigger than the circumstances of our life. Yeah. And that that is so often influenced by the practices that we do. Exactly. So, um, exactly. so, so I love that. So thanks so much for sharing, you know, all of that story with us and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get part two on this for okay. sometime soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you found it helpful and encouraging in your journey. Before you leave, I wanted to let you know of two things. First, if you are looking for more helpful content like this, visit TommyThompson.org. There, you will find resources created to help you find space in your life. Second, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would take a minute to leave a review. This helps other people find the show as well.